This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, welcome to another Rewind episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or like Mary the Mail Lady likes to call me, the Fintern. Happy Friday, everyone. We started the week with strong inspiration from John Hope Bryant. We followed that up on Wednesday with fantastic advice from Courtney McDermott. And don't think we're losing any steam just because it's Friday. On today's roundtable, our amazing team of contributors are looking back in time to figure out the best advice they could have gotten when they started investing. Between Len Penzo and guests CFP Hillary Hendershot and financial writer Hannah Rounds, there is plenty of advice to go around. Plus, in our old school day of answering moneyologist questions, the gang will give their responses to a mother taking out lots of credit in her son's name. Would you turn the mother in? I won't spoil the responses, but you'll be surprised by the answers. Huh, was that a door I just heard? Sounds like the guys are back with their filmy beverages to celebrate. Joe tells me that on Monday, they'll kick things back off again with nine-time New York Times bestseller David Bach, and on Wednesday, they'll follow it up with best-selling author Aaron Lowry. It's going to be great. And on one final note, this episode originally released in 2016, so don't enter any mentioned giveaways or make financial moves based on anything they talk about as current. Thanks for enjoying another great week of Rewinds with me. Fintern out. Here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Live from the place where we're setting up the puppet show, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and no, I'm not referring to this podcast as a puppet show, although I often wonder if this whole basement thing isn't just a clever device to get people to think we're really cool. I mean, don't all the cool kids work in mom's basement? Well, some good news, because we've got all the cool kids on today's show, including from Profit Boss Radio, certified financial planner Hillary Hendershot. Also from the Unplanned Finances blog, Hannah Rounds. And from a bunker someplace far below Los Angeles, California, and the LenPenzo.com blog, it's Arnold Palmer. <laughs> I'm sorry, that it's probably too soon. 
Yeah, it's too soon. Sorry. Len Penzo. And finally, in our fintech segment, which today is like the anti-fintech segment, talking about her just-debuted financial gym in New York City and coming to a city near you, Shannon McLay. And here he is, the guy who could probably use a trip to the gym, or seven, Joe Saul Siha. Oh, that's right. Happy Friday, everybody. I am Joe Saul Siha, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And... Oh, it, I can't wait for the weekend. I have to tell you, we have some great stuff going on. And uh, I've been sworn to secrecy. Mom said I can never break my promise when somebody trusts me with a secret. But I will tell you that you will hear the results of the secret on November 2nd. So put that in your calendar. I'm sure you got nothing else to worry about between now and November 2nd. You know what you should probably worry about between now and then? How's that for a transition, huh? High five. Is <laughs> You should worry about heading to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Because you know what happens when you go to magnify money? You find the best deals on debt products like consolidation loans, personal loans, credit cards, and coming soon here, mortgages and better rates on savings account. You know the interest rate in your savings account stinks. Have you looked at that lately? Looks horrible. You'll find much better at Magnify Money. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. And by the way, speaking of debt strategies, you know what's crazy is that you would keep high interest rate student loan debt when you can get that refinanced to a much lower rate. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. That's S-O-F-I. They are the leader in marketplace lending. And what that means is, is that there's a good chance that they have a better interest rate for you. So whether it is a student loan or a personal loan to consolidate your debt so you can cut up the credit cards so those work together, guess what? They will throw in a hundred bucks if you use our link, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI, S-O-F-I. All right, fantastic discussion today. Hillary Hendershot is somebody I've wanted to know for quite a while. She has a fantastic new show out. So I was so pleased that she was going to be able to come on the show. And you know those people that you have never met, but you feel like you know? Hannah Rounds is that person. So I was just absolutely geeked when she said that she was going to come on the podcast. So really excited about our guest today. Of course, always excited about Len Penzo. Super excited also that Shannon McLay's coming on the show. I know we've talked a lot that this segment's coming up. So excited about Shannon's launch. You know, a company, a big company just got rid of some space to move more of their operation online in the last week. It was a mass mutual company. And it actually made me sad that I believe it's called Financial Grownups. Society for Financial Grownups, and they got rid of all the meeting space. And I understand that that particular thing wasn't making the money, and I have no inside information about how their books work. I'm just saying, I think nothing beats that human interaction and one-on-one. I love it when I meet people that listen to the show. It's exciting, and it's why we do this. So really sad to see that, but really excited to see Shannon's financial gym opening and the stuff she is playing for the financial gym sounds awesome. So I can't wait for you to hear about it. It's a week of anti-fintech fintech segment. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. All right, let's roll. All 
right, let's walk across the basement here and dust off my dad's shortwave, see if we can get this thing going, see if we can get it going better than my voices. We're going to start with the one voice you've heard before on the show, and that comes to us from Southern California. It's the one and only Len Penzo. What's going on, hey, man? Hey, hey, back away from that microphone, Joe, because know. you know what? I don't want to catch what you got. It sounds terrible. I'm, in- I'm doing fine, by the way. You ever have one of those colds, though, where you sound a lot worse than you feel? Yes, I have. And I hope that's how it is with you because, boy, you sound, you sound terrible. I was about to say my this. My friend. I was about to say this isn't that cold. This is the cold where you truly feel as bad. No, I'm kidding. Take two bowls of chicken soup and call me in the morning, okay? That's perfect, Dr. Len. And yes. let's stay in California where making her first appearance on this show, the host of Profit Boss Radio herself, certified financial planner, Hillary Hendershot. Welcome. That's me. Thank you. Nice to be here. I'm so happy you would join us tonight. So tell everybody a little bit about Profit Boss. Profit Boss Radio is a show for women and money because women are more likely to talk about sex with their friends than Benjamins. And what we know is that there's a lot of women out there who really want to be financially free. And so we have open and honest conversations about money. Sometimes I interview people. We talk about their journey, their mistakes. Sometimes I do solo episodes where I talk about best practices and saving and investing and planning for retirement. And I did a TEDx talk several years ago about money psychology. So I talk a lot about that. And really, it's your it's your wealth mastermind. How nerve wracking was it doing a TED talk? Brutal. Thanks for asking that. No one's ever asked me that. Really? Um, yeah, I memorized every word. It was a seven exactly 17 minute talk. I memorized every word. I got up with the microphone and I forgot the first line. Oh. I had the speech next to me on the lectern and I, I looked over and that was enough. So I did the whole thing just right on. Actually, it was the inaugural TEDx event at Santa Clara University run completely by students and they flubbed the audio and the video was no good. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, it was it was heart crushing. And so I was able to pull together some resources. I did a redux. So if you go on my YouTube channel, it says it's my TEDx talk, but it's a redo. I had someone, a professional videographer come do it, but I never got on the TED website, which is a bummer. I cried lots of crocodile tears. Yeah, you would have had millions of viewers, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you. you. Absolutely. Let's go all the way across the country and where one of my favorite writers on the internet, she writes all over the place, but I like her home blog on plan finance. It's the one and only Hannah Rounds. Hey, it's good to be here. I am so happy you could join us. What's now? Are you in North Carolina? I am in North Carolina, but I'm a Minnesota native. So if you're hearing the nasal, that's where it's from. <laughs> yeah. And so does everybody in North Carolina ask you, um, where are you from? I used to get that question a lot, but I've actually changed my accent, if you can believe it. And so I don't get it quite as often. I found when I moved to Texas, I talk just a little bit slower and everything's everything's fine. I, I just, I don't talk with the speed of light like we do in Michigan, you know? There you go. Yeah. Hey, we're both Midwest to the South transplants, aren't I, we? I know. How about that? So tell everybody about Unplanned Finance because I love your blog. Unplanned finance. I write a little bit about everything. That's one of the reasons why it's called unplanned. But yeah, I write a little bit about personal stories, my personal views on money. I write a little bit about tactics. Recently been helping some people with their finances. So doing a lot more technical in-depth articles, but I got to get away from that. Got to get back to the five (laughs) hacks that aren't really hacks, but you could do them anyway. Right. Five hacks that aren't hacks, but number three will make you LOL. Exactly. Yeah, I got to right. gotta get up to speed on my marketing. Right. 
All right. Well, thank you, Hannah and Hillary, for joining us tonight. Let's get into these things because we've got three fun articles. The first one takes us north of where Hannah and I are originally from, up to the great white north of Canada. This comes to us from the Globe and Mail and is written by John Heinzel. It's a question that says, I'm 20. How do I go about investing for the first time? And it's funny. I'm not really worried about John Heisel's answer. And frankly, I'll link to it in the show notes at stackybenjamins.com. But Hillary, I think I'll start with you because when you get somebody who's 20 years old and they really are interested in starting investing, what's the best piece of advice you give them? First of all, that's never happened. I know. <laughs> Usually I get their 45 or 50 year old parents telling me I should tell them what to do and their eyes glaze over and they want nothing to do with it. No, really, I never. Um, uh, in my opinion, people's brains don't mature until about the age of 30, 35 financially. So it's rare that someone would want to start at the age of 20. I think my number one piece of advice for them would be create a vision, create a vision for yourself, because if you think being a millionaire is a big deal anymore, it isn't. And it's going to take some time and some grappling with the numbers to really normalize what it takes to be financially free these days. And, you know, it takes about a million dollars to generate 30 to $50,000 of income in perpetuity or or ongoingly in retirement or in your financial freedom, whatever you want to call it. And I think people really don't get what that means. For many people who are saving now, you're going to need three, four, five million dollars just to just to provide for your lifestyle and and you'll you'll live longer. And so so it's a big deal. So create a vision and then focus on improving your earning ability, skill sets, entrepreneurship. You want to get that income up. That's what I would focus on in my 20s. Awesome. Hannah, your best piece of advice for a 20 year old who comes to you and says, what do I do? Well, they could do exactly what all three of my siblings have done, which is completely ignore me. But <laughs> if uh, if they wanted to, they could take my advice anyway. I always say you should, at least when you start investing, you should spend as much time researching your investments as it takes to earn the money. So if you're going to invest 5000 bucks and it takes you five weeks to earn 5,000 bucks, then spend five weeks researching investments. You'll learn a lot of information. You know, if you spend 200 hours researching investments, you know, nobody's ever taken my advice. So maybe it's not that good of advice, but. <laughs> Len, did you start investing at a young age? It's been so long since I've been at young age, uh, Joe. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm 52. So I'm thinking, gosh, 20, that was a long time ago, but yeah, I started pretty young. I have jumped right in. And I think everybody, the first thing is don't be afraid. Mm. Don't be afraid of losing money. I think that's the that's the first thing you got to think about. And how do you go about doing it? Start. You're not going to be a pro. Take it simply. And I think the easiest way for somebody new to get into the investing world is simply if you have an employer with a 401k, get into that 401k plan. It's simple and it's not complicated. And it's an easy way to start dipping your toe in the water. And then over time, I think it was this Hannah, Hannah was saying, maybe Hillary said it too, learn as much as you can yeah. about investing. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Learn as much as you can. And as you become more familiar with how investing works, you can get more complex in how you go about with your investment decisions. Let's talk. You to can make a habit of saving in that 401k plan. You'll be thankful to yourself later. Yeah. Yeah. If you do that immediately and it just becomes like, you know, the doctor hitting your knee with that little hammer thingy. You mm -hmm. know what I'm talking about? Every year about? I just put money in my 401k. Said not not too many people, but the ones who can say it are glad. When you work with people on tactics, 
Hillary, what type of investments should a 20-year-old start with if they're looking, let's say, 15 to 20 years down the road? Well, look, at this point, there have been a lot of really smart people hard at work on the investing question for a long time. And people like John Bogle and um, Gene Fama, Eugene Fama Jr. have made investing at the retail level pretty simplified for us. And you have, you know, portfolio construction is not a set it and forget it kind of a question. And I think that the robo advisors for people who are just starting out are probably a great solution, betterment, personal capital like that. Don't you think that's too much diversification for, because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Hannah's talking about them saving $5,000, let's say. If I've got betterment, don't I have like 18 different investments my money goes into? I mean, isn't that overkill? Well, I think they're doing 10 to 12 mutual funds, but I also think they don't have transactions costs, yeah. right? They yeah. just have a, a holding fee. Yeah. Am I wrong? Nope. Nope. I'm not, I'm not an expert. I'm yeah. not an expert. No. I'm like literally giving them business well, here. Yeah, perfect. That, you're, you're perfect for the round table. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think there's any such thing as too much diversification. Too much transactions cost is possible. But I know that their account sizes, you have a five or $10,000 account. It's free. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's under 15000 I can't remember which one it is. Never mind. Yeah, but one of those, no, but no, but seriously, for small account size, I don't get worried about the fees. I get worried about, I just think, why do the overkill? Why not just use an S&P 500 fund or a total market fund for your first investment? You well, know, that's essentially what they build for you. Personal capital is essentially building a better total market fund. S&P 500 is just not going to give you access to the international market. So you're going to be missing growth when there is growth there. Right, right. Hey, even the 401k funds, I mean, they make it so simple for you now. I mean, even where I work, that. They'll say, if, if, if you really don't want to think hard, they'll say, when do you want to retire? You want to retire in 2020? There's one fund. If you want to retire in 2030, there's another fund. 2040, another fund. And it's a mix of a whole bunch of different investments. So it, it really, it's almost, you can put it on autopilot these days. Yeah, those target date funds that they have. Hannah, what was your first investment you ever had? My first investment was at the age of 13 and really? it was commercial real estate and <laughs> I still own it and it's worth about six bucks because they closed off highway access to it. So thanks dad. That's holy, good advice. <laughs> holy cow. At 13 years old, your dad had you buy commercial real estate? I was interested in investing and I had like 500 bucks and it was something he was buying anyway. So he let me buy a 2% share. Yeah. So what was the lesson you learned from that? Don't trust dad? <laughs> you know, my dad's actually a great investor. So I did probably learn that lesson, but it probably wasn't the right one to learn. <laughs> but I think that actually is pretty cool because at 13, when you learn, you know, losing money and then it's all uphill from there, I think that, you know, I mean, you kind of shrugged that off, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, at the time, well, I mean, a couple of years later is when they closed off the access. So, um, but yeah, I think I learned some good lessons. Uh, that's a great lesson, right? Because commercial real estate didn't have diversification. So you do run the risk of, of, of it significantly declining in value where you wouldn't get that in an index fund. Right. Yeah. And I think I've learned a lot about how to research a property. I didn't do it right, but afterwards I learned. So that's why my advice is research first. I love that. Let's move on, guys, to our next piece, which comes to us from Investment News. This is written by Bruce Kelly. Morgan Stanley apparently had a sales contest 
And the headline is Morgan Stanley sales contest among advisors didn't help clients. The contests were run despite an internal Morgan Stanley prohibition on such initiatives. Len, when you read this, thinking about working with an advisor, how do you bring up to your advisor? So is this good advice or are you trying to win the free trip? (laughs) Joe, I think you just say exactly what you just said. You can't be afraid to bring that up. I mean, it's a legitimate question. What's in it for you, Mr. Advisor? I mean, explain to me why this is such a good deal for me. And really, I'll be honest, Joe, I never heard of that. I didn't know you could do these PLAs, I guess they're called. I, I wasn't even familiar with them. I was really shocked that they even offered something like that. Yeah, this is from you January know. 2014 to April 2015. The firm ran two different contests involving 30 advisors in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. The goal is to persuade customers to take out securities-based loans, PLAs, in which they borrowed against the value of their portfolios with the security serving as collateral. Hillary, you're the, you're the pro here. <laughs> Help us out. What is what? What the heck's it's a PLA? It's just like a home equity line. So you go down to the bank, you take out a home equity line on your house. It's a hundred thousand dollar line, which means you have that much you can spend. You spend fifty thousand dollars on a new roof, then you got fifty thousand dollars of debt you need to pay off, but it's collateralized by the the house. And while you're paying it down, you pay interest on it. It's the same thing, except you're taking a loan against your stock portfolio. And by the way, if you don't pay, they will sell your stocks for you to pay your bills. And by the way, if the market takes a dive, they'll also sell your stocks. Is this the same thing as margin? It is not quite the same thing as margin. Margin is borrowing against, well, okay. Yeah, except it's it's an unofficial margin. It's a more official version of margin. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it kind of works the same way, but it's a different thing. So, so timing is everything on this then, right? Is that what I'm hearing? So if you're at the top of, let's say, a bull market, that's probably, it's probably suicide to do this, right? If the market drops, right? Let's say you borrowed $50,000 against your portfolio and your portfolio takes a hit. What happens? Well, what's going on in your financial life that you have to borrow against your savings anyway? I mean, this isn't a way to start a business, right? You know, if you're going to start a business, you need to take time, shore up your personal financial situation, maybe clear some room on those credit cards or like like deal with it practically in a way that works. But these PLAs, it seems to me like people who would do this are, are doing some short-sighted spending. Yeah, because why, why wouldn't you just cash out? Why Let's say, you know, why wouldn't you just cash out your stocks? I, that's what I'm, I'm trying to, I guess... It it sort of seems to me like this is a buying and selling on margin. Sure, there's lots of fancy people who are doing fancy things with that. This sounds like somebody thought to themselves, you know how we can make some money? Turn this into consumer debt. Great idea. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, give the Americans what they love most, the ability to spend money. (laughs) (laughs) Sadly, that's so true. Hannah, what what do you think when you're looking at an advisor, you're talking to advisors, do you just ask them point blank? Do you have sales contests and am I going to be a part of it? You know, a good salesperson will always bring up your objections for you. So if I've not heard any objections, then I just ask them about, you know, what's the other side of this? What's the downside? On the other hand, I would say if they do bring up the objections, they probably whitewash over them pretty quickly. So it's good to say, ah, let's go back to that for a second. Uh, What is this about that whole life policy? What is this about a margin? You know, why would I want to just not sell my stocks and start my business or, you know, buy my new car or whatever it is? Yeah, so you're just saying if something doesn't make sense, just ask, ask the basic question of this doesn't make sense to me. Right. 
Yeah. What they're going to say is, I'll tell you what the objection is. If I can't find nine more suckers like you, then I'm not going to get my <laughs> uh, my $3,000 bonus. That's right. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, in um, 2012, there was a, an op-ed that came out in the New York Times a guy that was leaving Goldman Sachs and he wrote about how managers would tell their advisors to quote unquote hunt elephants and how directors referred to clients as Muppets. And he called the Goldman Sachs culture client last advice. And it's just like what happened at Wells Fargo recently with the sales contest leading to their employees opening accounts and billing customers for stuff they didn't want. I mean, it's kind of rampant in these big, well, big institutions are always sales organizations, right? And so even though we do love our brand names as Americans, we love those brands. It's tough when it comes to financial advice because it's the independent folks and fiduciaries who who don't have the ability to charge commissions, who are doing business free of conflicts of interest as possible. That's exactly what I was hoping you would you would define for us for a second, Hillary, because you're obviously on the ground doing this on a daily basis with people. The different types of advisors out there, you don't work in the same business that we're talking about here. No, I don't. And I never have, although it's tough to get your start as a fiduciary fee-only advisor because who is going to be your first million-dollar client? Right. I'm lucky enough that I got brought into the business by my my father who and my father and his wife who have a successful firm here in San Jose. But you can kind of divide the advisory world into two camps, advisors that charge commissions and advisors that don't. And, and the advisors that don't are called fee-only, uh, not fee-based. Fee-based means I charge you fees and commissions. So you want to look for for if you, if you can uh, look for an advisor who's a fee only advisor, you know the caveat is those of us who have profitable businesses know that we you know we have to keep the lights on, so we kind of have to have account size minimums. A lot of times you can't work with a fee only advisor if you don't have more than a half million or a million dollars. So it can take something to get there, but. Um, but again, you know, we impute trust to these brands. I mean, Goldman Sachs, for goodness' sake, a big name, uh, and yet. What's that? I said big name. Yeah, and it it, it sounds fancy and, and, and illustrious and aspirational. And yet what we know is going on on the inside is kind of the profit motive and the ability to charge commissions on products and not tell the client um, leads to that Wolf of Wall Street kind of atmosphere. Yeah. Hannah, have you ever thought about becoming a financial advisor? Have I ever thought about it? Yeah, because you write about this stuff all the time. And I'm just curious if that ever crossed your mind. You know... If, if I became a financial advisor, I would, well, I wouldn't be a financial advisor. I'd be probably an insurance salesperson. Uh, you would be. Really? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for salespeople. I was and not I, expecting I, you to say that. I was not oh, either. I love insurance. I'm a big fan of having lots of it. Nice. Um, yeah, no, I have a lot of respect for um, sales. And I think a good salesperson really will you know, I, I don't mind commissions at all. I just think, uh, you know, sales competitions, pushing one particular product, that's a horrible, a horrible way to solve people's problems. You have one product and okay, well, if you're the one person who has that one problem, great, I've solved your problem, but there's going to be, you know, you're going to call 300 people and sell 30 of them this product. And it's, only a good fit for one. That's crazy. But, so. do you, but do you think that commissions are a problem when it comes to financial advice? Not necessarily. I think there's good and bad in everything, honestly. I do think that if you're not super savvy financially, I think the right advice is exactly what Hillary said. Go to somebody who's fee only. If you are pretty savvy, 
go ahead and go with the firm or the person that has the products that you like and need. That's funny, Len, because to Hannah's point, when I was a financial advisor, there were commission-only advisors that I knew who I would send my mother to. And there were fee-only advisors that I knew who were some of the biggest idiots alive. And even though the, the even though their pay structure made sense, I would never... These people were a train wreck. Where do you come down on fees for financial advice? Well... I I do everything myself. So I, I just do my own research and I and like none I of the above choose. I had none of the above. I choose not to pay anybody and I choose to do my own research. That being said, I spend a lot of time researching and, and looking at things and learning about stuff. I know a lot, a lot of people don't have that time. And there's a lot of people who can get a lot of good out of a financial advisor. So for me, it's just not my cup of tea. But. Do, do you ever feel like though, because my most successful clients were also very smart people who could have done it themselves like you do. They just wanted somebody who was smart looking over their shoulder, making sure that there wasn't anything in their blind spot. You ever think about that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't know, Joe, maybe it comes down to I'm just being cheap. I don't know. No, I don't. <laughs> No, you're right, Joe. It, sometimes it is good. That's a that's a good point that, you know, it is good sometimes to have somebody looking over your shoulder. Uh, I'm just not that way. I'm a control oriented with my own money. You are a control freak. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I pay a CPA to do my taxes and I review at least six or seven tax softwares every season. So, oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not that I don't know how to do my taxes. It's that somebody always catches something. So yeah, it's always worth it. It's for true. Me. Yep. No, it is. That's a longer topic. And, and I didn't mean to, you, you know, what you're really worried about, Len. I know exactly what you're worried about. You're worried about <laughs> somebody's going to tell you not to own that much gold. That's exactly <laughs> <laughs> Hey, got to take a quick time out here in our awesome discussion with Hannah Rounds, Hillary Hendershot, and of course, the amazing Len Penzo. To say a big thanks to everybody who's headed to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Because when you go to magnify money, you know what you find out? You have comparison shopped everything, but you never comparison shop the stuff that actually makes a difference in your life. Like that checking account that could be better. That savings account where you're not getting any interest or those debt products for the debt strategy that you still have to get moving on. So stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. And while you're there, you know, if you mosey over to consolidation loans or to student loan refinancing, you know, you're going to find us number one. It's SoFi. That's spelled S-O-F-I. If you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, you're going to find that these guys are the marketplace lending leader. What does that mean? That means that there's people that are investing money in SoFi on one end and they're investing in these loans. They take the loan out and they loan it to you. So they like loaning you money at a low interest rate because the people on the other end, they're getting nothing on their money and they want to have a sure thing. You're going to be that sure thing for them. So it's a fantastic deal all the way around. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. And you know what you find? You also find that you'll get a hundred bucks if you use our link to get you there. Super excited about both of those companies. Equally as excited about our fintech segment today. It's the anti-fintech segment. These are going to be rolling out across the country. Our friend Shannon McLay from Martinis and Your Money has been working a long time on the concept of this financial gym for your money. Let's hear what that's all about. 
McLay joins us. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back in the basement. Well, it is funny that uh, you're doing this national tour about the financial gym, and I'm surprised that you'd make time for Mom's Basement in Texarkana, Texas. (laughs) I always have space for mom's basement in my schedule. <laughs> you're just here One to see all time favorite places to hang out other well, than the financial gym. I was going to say, you're just here to see mom. Cause you know, she's going to make pie. Who doesn't love pie? I know who cares about the rest of us, <laughs> but you've got this cool thing. It's funny. We call this, this is the FinTech segment and this will be the first time ever we've done like a anti FinTech segment, but really yours is all about place Were people surprised when you decided that having a physical space for your financial gym was something you were looking to do? Yes. It's really interesting. And it's funny. I'm the first non-fintech, fintech company spotlight, but it's been three years I've been building this business and this model. And everybody I talk to on the venture capital side or fundraising side, they're like, what? We don't like real estate. We don't like people because those are all cost intensive. You know, so actually a lot of the fintech companies are getting all the money that I would like. But I said, you know, maybe something that's really revolutionary for you as a venture capital company is is investing in the anti-technology company because technology is is a great resource. It's a great tool. And there are so many amazing fintech companies out there doing amazing things, but not everybody wants and needs technology in their life when it comes to personal finance. Sometimes people actually want the human interaction. They want the accountability. They want the the actual person to bounce ideas off of. Like, should I pay down my mortgage or should I invest my money or should I travel this year or should I save up? I mean, just all, there's so many questions that come in personal finance and you just want a person to bounce those off of, especially somebody who knows you like your financial trainer at the financial gym. Yeah. A computer can't kick you in the ass very hard. No. (laughs) Or, you know, I said the best, one of the best quotes I ever got from a client was they were using mint.com for their financial planning needs. And they said, mint.com is great, except I get these pop-ups from mint.com saying I was overspending and dining out. And they were like, I would just say ignore, you know, or I just delete the message. Like I delete the text, but they're like, you tell me I'm overspending and dieting and I can't mute you because you're going to keep coming back to me or I'm going to have to sit and face you and answer for my spending sins, so to say. So, you know, they know that mint.com can, they could just turn it off. They can't turn me off. But you still are a venture capital backed company. I am. I actually only have one investor currently because he's probably one of the only people who believes. He's not that he's the only person who believes. It's it's more like an angel investor. Yeah. So right. we we built the first gym in New York. I do have a lot of companies interested in my model because they're like, wow, it's so unique and different. But of course, you know, they they want me to keep putting in the money to build it to right. prove it that it works. And that's what I was going to say. They're sitting on the sidelines. It seems like to me from all the conversations you and I have had, they're sitting very anxiously on the sidelines going, if this rolls, we want in, but you're going to have to prove it first. Oh yeah. They, I have a number of companies sitting on the sidelines. You know, it's funny because a year ago when I was pitching it and trying to get the money to build the first gym, you know, everybody's like not interested on it. Just, but keep us posted. You know, we like this. We like what you're doing. Now it's here and I'm already, we're only three weeks doors open and we haven't really fully officially started 
promoting it. And I have so much interest across the board from different people. So now I kind of crack up to myself. I'm like, yeah, I would have been cheaper a year ago, but now it's going to cost you. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. It's like, you have no idea what you could have gotten me for a year ago. Now, you know, it's, it's a lot more. That totally sounds like mom. Well, you wouldn't be here cleaning your room if you would have cleaned it earlier. Exactly. You'd be able to go to the football game on Friday night if you cleaned it earlier. It's your own fault, right? (laughs) And meanwhile, my partner, the person who believed in me, who is literally the greatest partner ever, when he signed the, the lease agreement for this first space, he said, are you having fun? I was like, yeah, I'm having the time of my life. I'm helping people with money. We're, we're getting this off the ground. This is so exciting. He's like, as long as you're having fun, then I'll sign this. If you're not like you're doing the wrong thing. And I was like, what a great partner, right? You never hear that in the venture capital world. Are you doing, are you having fun? It's like, what's your ROI? Like how much have you brought in? Like what's the revenues? What are the expenses? He's just like, are you having fun? Wow. That's the best investor ever. How about that? I wonder down the road as, you know, because every company hits bumps, right? If the company hits mm-hmm. a bump in the future, if it'll be the same way. Uh, he has because he invested in me a year ago to just kind of get the online presence going. And then, you know, I said I was looking for the money to put the first gym in place. And of course, nobody was stepping up. They're all still on the sidelines. So I had to go back to him and say, look, I know I wasn't going to go back to you again, but I'm back. <laughs> And so we're gym 1.0 is open in New York City on 226 Fifth Avenue, the fifth floor. And the plan is to have 10 more of these open next year and, you know, come into a city near you ASAP. That's cool. Let's talk about the genesis of the gym and then what actually happens at the gym, Shannon. So you started this because you were working with a big financial firm where I think the minimum was what, $750,000 somebody had for them to count as one of your clients? It was 250000 So in theory, lower than the average. You know, there are some that have a million dollar minimums. It was 250000 And I had clients like that, high net worth clients, you know, and it was great. I was building my business. But while I was building that business, I was meeting so many other people. I called my pro bono clients who didn't have 250000 in assets, but wanted financial help from a person. And I met with anybody who would talk to me because that, you know, it's just, that's just who I am. And I kept seeing more of these pro bono clients. And I thought, I don't have anything at Merrill Lynch, which is my former firm. I don't have anything at Merrill Lynch that's going to help me with this person. Because all we had was this wealth management analysis tool that you know, was great. It did all these predictions and Monte Carlo scenarios and wonderful 50 page reports it would produce for people. But they didn't look good for somebody who had $250,000 in student loan debt, right? you know, or somebody who only had $10,000 in assets. It just produced a really ridiculous report. So I found myself creating all these like reports on the side for my clients, you know, putting plans together ad hoc for them. And, you know, I always tell people about my defining week of why I decided to leave Maryland and start this was that I met with on a literally Tuesday with this one couple that were, had over a million dollars with me and the market was down and they were complaining about their portfolio being down 3% and then just going on and on complaining about it. And I was having to explain the markets, how they work, blah, blah, blah. And then two days later, I had a meeting with one of my pro bono clients And I went through her plan. It was literally just on a Word document, just stuff written out, like do this, this, and this. And at the end of the meeting, she said, 
you know, you're saving my life. Right. And I said, so on it, literally within a week, I felt like Tuesday, I lost my soul. Thursday, I gained it back. And I said, this is where I have to go. I have to help people like this, this Thursday woman, because there's so many more of them out there and they need a different kind of help. And that was three years ago, I left Merrill and I always had the vision of a storefront, it, you know, the H&R block, but more fun. I, I said there should be, <laughs> and more helpful. I said there should be, you should be able to walk in. And my vision is you should be able, you see the financial gym on the storefront and say, I can go in there. Somebody's going to help me. They're going to be dressed in jeans and a t-shirt. Cause that's, we're financial trainers. We're not financial planners or, or financial advisors. That's old school talk. We're financial trainers. You walk in and say, Hey, here's what's going on with me. Can you help me? And it could be, I got $10,000. I don't know what to do with it. could be, I have $200,000 of debt. I don't know what to do with it. It could be anywhere in the middle, but just to know that somebody will sit with you and kind of figure it out. I just, that's my vision. And so, you know, we're, we're doing it right now and it's, and it's already so exciting seeing people come in and and be part of a community. And the great thing about having a physical location too, is we're not just doing the one-on-one meetings. We're, and we also do them virtually too, if you're not in the New York area, but we're doing the one-on-one meetings, helping clients and couples and things like that. But we also have events like every Wednesday night is a wine and learn Wednesday here at the gym. So like come have a glass of wine or beer or soda, whatever floats your boat and learn about something new, like investing or life insurance or um, you know, disability insurance, fill in the blank, um, in a, in English, you know, in a fun like environment of how you get, like learn more about financial topics. We have classes on the weekends where you can learn about budgeting or debts or building up your credit or student loans and how to, you know, refinance them. And we have game nights, we have movie nights, all this stuff going on at the gym. How does it work? Does somebody just come in the front door and say, uh, I want help? Yeah. Or I want to hang out. We have a little mini refrigerator section for that's available for members. If you come in, you grab a beer or wine or juice, like I said, sit down, like work on your budget or, you know, like if it's like open enrollments coming up and it's like, which healthcare options should I choose or any number of things, or I'm planning this trip. How should I, how should I pay for it? There's so many money conversations to have and we're having them every day here. But do they stop by with an appointment or do they just come in? You can come in. Yeah. We're, we're walking. We're here, you know, as long as it's gym hours, we're closed Sunday and Monday, but we've got, we're open Tuesday to Saturday. So as long as we're open, come on in and see us. And then how do people pay you, Shannon? We have different plans. So we have different membership levels. So you can do a monthly membership with a little less interaction with a trainer, or you can do more engagement. Just depends on how much one-on-one time you want with a financial trainer. But our packages start at $30 a month, which I'm excited about. I feel like that's a really good affordable option for people to get financial help. And people can also join you online virtually until it comes to their city. Absolutely. We've got plenty of online clients too, meeting us via FaceTime or Skype or phone or whatever they want. Awesome. And what's the URL? Financialgym.net. That's surprising and very creative. (laughs) (laughs) You know, my creativity ran out there, Joe. I've got a lot of creativity around this business, but... (laughs) That's, That's awesome. Well, cool. And we'll have a link for everybody who's, uh, if you're driving to work or you're walking the dog or out on your morning run at stackingbenjamins.com on our show notes page. Thanks for hanging out, Shannon. 
Thanks for having me. And for more on the financial gym, head to stackybenjamins.com and you'll find today's show notes. All right, let's head back to our awesome discussion with the amazing Hannah Rounds, the one and only Hillary Hendershot and the crazy man himself, Len Penzo. Right, guys, I'm having so much fun. I just looked at the clock. We've got one more of these things that we are going way long, but that's fine. Uh, hopefully it's fine for you guys. If it's not, let me know. But our last article comes to us from the Muddyologist. We do this from time to time where we take a question that was asked of the Muddyologist. We share the question with our panel, but we don't share what the Muddyologist answer was. And I love it when the Muddyologist gets bizarre questions. And this one's pretty damn bizarre. Here's the question, guys. Dear Moneyologist, I have a very serious problem and I'm not really sure how to handle it. Several months ago, I found out my mother has been using my credit to open accounts since I was nine or 10 years old. I found out about 10 or more accounts so far with up to $5,000 in debts. They're all delinquent, unpaid and affecting my credit negatively. Everything I've done on my accounts is good on time payments, not keeping my balances, paying things off. I've called all of these creditors and explained the situation and requested they remove these accounts from my credit. I've also contacted all three major credit bureaus and requested the same. Now my husband and I are trying to apply for a mortgage on a house and we can't get one because of all these items remaining on my credit history. I don't know what to do. I don't want to get my mom in trouble because I know that identity theft is a crime, but I don't want this to continue affecting my life, my husband's life, and my future children's lives. How do I handle something like this? Is there a way to get these things that you haven't done off your credit report without getting your family member in trouble? I know she's no longer doing this and she's apologized, but to be honest, it doesn't really feel like enough. What can I do? Hannah, we'll start with you. So do you turn in your mom? You put her in shackles? You know, they made a mistake by figuring out who it was that was committing the identity <laughs> theft. You know, if they could have just... Ignorance oh, is no, bliss. I, yeah, ignorance really is bliss. To get these things removed, you have to file with the SFPB, Consumer Federal Protection Bureau. And yeah, you're supposed to contact the police and turn in your mom the criminal. So do you do that? I, I probably wouldn't. I would probably try and see if my husband could get the mortgage alone. And, you know, seven years is how long it's going to take for those delinquent things to fall off your credit. So it's going to take, um, thank God it's only five grand, right? Well, Well, no, several, several of them are five grand. Hillary, would you, Oh, I thought it said the total was five grand. No, no way. Nope. It's, it's way worse than that. So Hillary, you put your mom in shackles. Oh, I so don't want to answer this question. (laughs) It's brutal. It's a tough situation. But look, you think you're the only one she did it to? I mean, what about siblings or other family members or like mom's got a problem. That's not just um, lying about buying an expensive pair of shoes and hiding them in the back of the closet, right? Len's doing that right now, by the way. He's got those shoes in the closet. <laughs> well, with all that money he saved, not hiring a financial advisor, he should. Right. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I'll let you turn in, Mom. Are they gold shoes? Of course. <laughs> hey, yes, I would turn in, Mom, because you know what? There's something called a statute of limitations on fraud. And in California, it's three years. I looked this up. So, you know what? I think mom's in the clear. She could just, because uh, they said it happened a long time ago, right? Yeah. So as long as well, it definitely were... happened less than seven years ago, because it's still on their credit report. 
Well, so the first thing you do, she said this person, I don't know if it's a male or female, said that they went to tr- the three credit reporting agencies. You report the fraud. That should get cleared up eventually. But good old mom will not go to jail on this because the statute of limitations has expired. So I think everybody's going to – this is a win-win for everybody. <laughs> mom Here's gets the thing to I- get away with crime. <laughs> We sweep a bunch of dirty laundry under the yes, rug. Yes, yeah, this yes. is a good solution. But did you see that? need skeletons. Since nine or ten years old? I mean, so what did she do? She used her daughter or son. Uh, is this a social security number? Is that what, what she did? Must yeah, there was an episode yeah. of the Criminal Podcast recently that touched on mom, dad, and both children had their identity stolen at one point when the children were 10 and 12 years old. And it wasn't 20 years later when mom died that that they figured out that it was mom that had done it to all of them. Holy cow. Oh, that's yep. horrible. Brutal. Yeah. In the study with the candlestick. <laughs> that's funny. Putting mom in jail just sounds like another <laughs> Thanksgiving at the Penso household. You know what? If it wasn't for the statute of limitations, that really would suck because I wouldn't know what to do. Let's say there was no statute of limitations. I, I, you know, what do you do then? You can't turn in mom then, can you? I, I don't know. That's... I mean, that is a, that's a tough question in that case. Would you, would you turn in mom? You just gave me the out, He wouldn't man. have a place to podcast. <laughs> I know, that's right. <laughs> I can't turn in mom because we got this free rent on this place. Right. That's right. <laughs> Hannah's got it. I can't. I'm tied. Can't do it. So do her for the basement. That's right. I think, guys, I think we're going to end on that. Victimless crime, Len, right? It is, yeah. Well, we, we, everybody okay. wins. That's it. Let's, not let's, a let's victimless go on. crime. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was seeing if we could get away with that one, but you can't put anything past Hillary. That's fantastic. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for playing. Let's talk about what's going on at each of your home bases. Uh, Hannah, thanks a ton for hanging out with us. Yeah, no problem. So what's coming up on Unplanned Finances next? Yeah, so I'm, I'm writing another epic one called The Shockingly Complex Math Behind Early Retirement, talking about sequence of income and sequence of expense risk. I was going to get into inflation and things like that, but I realized probably nobody's going to read that far down in the article. So (laughs) inflation for another day. You save the exciting part for later. Exactly. That's fantastic. Well, thanks for hanging out. We'll link to Unplanned Finances in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com so everybody can read it. Hillary, what's coming up on the show? Coming up on Profit Boss Radio, we have Amy Mewborn, who authored a book designed to give women the step-by-step to leave their nine-to-five and either start a side hustle or a full-time entrepreneurship gig. And then week after that, we're talking with Amy Fox, writer of The Equity Movie, which, as you know, is like oh, the Wolf of Wall Street yeah, for right. women. Cool. Starring, produced by, written by all the ladies. That is really cool. How did you score that interview? Friend of a, I'm connected. What do you mean? I'm, I'm sorry. I should not have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yes. the shiz. <laughs> I know. Well, I know that. I'm just saying, you know, whenever we get somebody like that on, I was just high five. Did you high five yourself? Because that's pretty, that's really cool. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, in like early November, I've got my first man on the podcast. It weighed foul. Oh, fantastic guess. Boy, yeah, t- boy I, talk about some I, guy I, that can get in the weeds too. That's a guy that can go deep. Oh man. And then I started the interview with a joke. I thought it was going to be light, like something about his wife being from Japan. And I said something about, well, she had to learn English quick. And he said, no, she, she really doesn't speak English. Oh, 
<laughs> so awkward. <laughs> uh, I'm truly creating that episode in post. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank goodness he's uh, he only has to come on once for you to say that he yeah, was on exactly. your show. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Well, thanks for hanging out. And we will also link to Profit Boss Radio on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Mr. Penzo, what's happening at lempenzo.com, man? You know what? And just because it's like uh, we're celebrating women this week on the round table, you know, I, I'm the only guy here. I think it's very apropos that uh, lenpenzo.com, my good friend Anna Yoon has a guest post on the pink tax, the which is pink tax. the pink tax. And what it is, is it's a tax on women and on the things that women pay more for that men don't have to just because they're women. And it's fascinating. And so uh, stop on by lenpenzo.com wow, and that's, uh, check it out. That's, that is really, I can't wait to read that. And, and yeah. I'll link to that also on the show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Thanks for playing, guys. It's been fun. Thank yeah. you. Oh, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Hey, guess what? We play a game on these episodes and a game is ending today. I forgot to shut off the voting for our numbers game from this summer. It was very funny. I totally got involved with FinCon, didn't shut up the voting. So the voting ends today, folks. So if you're trying to stuff the ballot box, which you shouldn't do, that voting is ending today. I also promised you that we would have a winner of our contest today. And you know what? I don't have that. Cheryl and I ran a marathon in Bahaba, Maine. And I love the t-shirts in Maine that said Bahaba. B-A-H-A-B-A. Cool stuff. And I'll be posting pictures here, if I haven't already, to the Facebook group, our Green Room Facebook group. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Green Room, and you'll find our little group of merry friends. Man, do we have fun over there. I've been kind of quiet over there lately, only because I've had so much travel going on. That is now settling down, so we've got tons planned. I've said this before. I'm going to keep foreshadowing, but we've got tons planned for the green room, so you're going to want to get over there. All right. We don't have a contest today because of all of that travel that I've been doing. We will start the contest, the new one, next week, so you have to tune in next Friday to find out more about that. Speaking of next week... Before we let you go, let's tell you exactly what's going to happen next week here on the show. On Monday, you know the Pop Sugar websites, Lisa Sugar coming down to the basement. She has an awesome new book. And it's funny because as she and I were getting ready to talk about her coming on. She was talking about how lots of women follow the site. There are men that follow the Pop Sugar sites, but lots of women follow those sites. And she wrote the book thinking that just women would read it. I read this book. I thought it was just a fantastic primer for people that are working either online or on their career, whatever it is. Lisa Sugar has such a positive attitude and she's such a great role model for people. I'm very excited that she's coming down to the basement on Monday. And if you're not familiar with the Pop Sugar websites, where have you been? Those things are just huge. It seems like Lisa Sugar's all over the place now. And speaking of all over the place, Lisa Peterson, who has very quickly become one of my favorite people, Lisa has an awesome podcast called Art of Abundance. She had something happen to her that uh, changed her life. And she was a millionaire in her mid-30s, and that didn't change her life. She has done amazing work with people that didn't change her life. 
that there was a group of specific incidents, though, that big time changed her life. She's going to tell that story on the show on Wednesday about uh, her signal that she needed to change and how fear keeps us from changing. It's a powerful story that she has. I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic interview on Wednesday. Then on Friday, it's our 400th episode. So a rare spotting of OG in the basement on Friday. No round table. It's going to be just that. So it's going to be a fantastic week. Absolutely excited for it. Thank you very much for listening. And it's going to be amazing. All right. We'll see everybody next week. Go stack some Benjamins. Bye-bye. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC. The show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Special thanks to Shannon McClay for talking about the Financial Gym on today's show. You'll find more about Financial Gym at financialgym.net. Thanks to Hillary Hendershot for joining us today. You'll find Hillary's show, Profit Boss Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to Hannah Rounds for participating in today's roundtable discussion. You'll find Hannah's blog at unplannedfinances.com. Len Penzo appears courtesy of lenpenzo.com. We also know that when Len Penzo appears on the show, he'll predict at least nine of the next two market downturns. He's got a gift. Special thanks to Joe's mom for keeping the Bridge Club quiet during today's podcast. Those ladies sure know how to party. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. What do you suppose they call that? A novelty act? I don't know, but it wasn't too bad. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union can help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, if you're thinking consolidation, that's part of your plan. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. What I like, you make your plan first and then you use the appropriate instrument to get you there. And Navy Federal has them. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval.